Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. At the end of Romans chapter 1, in verse 32, it says, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. This is the last verse in the chapter, and in the previous program I was talking about the previous verses where the Apostle Paul wrote about various sins, a bunch of sins, that people commit as an expression of not really believing in the existence of God, and he described it as individuals who have a depraved mind. Now, at the end of chapter 1, here in verse 32, there are a couple of things that I would like to focus on in this program. The first thing that I would like to focus on is the importance of seeing that people are approving of those who practice such evil. And the reason why they approve of others practicing such evil is because they participate in that kind of evil and they want others to do so in order to help validate their sin, validate the sins of the individuals who are giving their approval and also validate the sins of others. And the reason why they would be validating the sins of others or giving approval for the sins of others is to obtain their acceptance, is so that they'll like them. That generally tends to be the motive as to why people give approval to someone else. People don't give approval to someone else in the context of, hey, let's go find some people that we can make feel good, that we can give our approval of and in order to just make them a little bit happier. That's not normally what people are thinking. Normally, people are looking to give approval to someone else for their own self-interest, for some interest that they have in and of themselves. In this context, Paul is talking about them wanting to approve others in order to help validate their own sins. But there are some other factors involved here as well. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, the second thing, is not only the power of seeking approval, but also that it leads to a continued desire to fail. It leads to a continued desire to engage in sin. All right, now, in the context of giving approval to someone else, I want you to understand that the power of this or the strength of this actually comes from our need for acceptance, that deep down inside we have a need for acceptance. And I've talked about this a lot in various programs, but in this program I'm going to talk about it with some more specifics, with some more details, in order to give you a better idea, a better understanding concerning the power of acceptance, the strength of it, and the importance of understanding this when it comes to the needs of an individual because it does have an effect in everybody's life. Now, people can often relate to the idea of love, that people will commit sins because they want to be loved. But when it comes to being accepted, people will acknowledge it, but not necessarily want to think about it much more than that because it tends to be a very touchy subject. It tends to get into issues that for the most part people would like to avoid when it comes to the existence of God. People would like to avoid the evidence that shows that God exists, 
So also, people will tend to avoid the truth concerning our need for acceptance because it does reveal a lot about the sin in a person's heart, the sin that people express in their lives. For example, if we were to go back and look at some of these sins in the context of acceptance, I think you can gain a better understanding concerning the depth of the sins that people struggle with. And I don't intend to tell you about this so that you can see the depravity of humanity and feel depressed. My purpose in doing this is for you to have some greater understanding and so that also you can perhaps find it a little bit easier to have mercy towards others, perhaps even towards yourself, because you'll probably find that some of these things you struggle with also. Okay, so I'm going to go back into these sins as they are described and talk about them in the context of acceptance. Between verses 26 and 27 with regards to unnatural relationships, that's easy. If you are embraced by someone in an intimate way, then you will get the feeling or you will get the sense that this person accepts you. And in many cases, people are motivated to participate in those kinds of acts because of their desire to be accepted. But I'm going to continue into verse 28 where it says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Now, from an acceptance standpoint, you can feel as though God is no longer disturbing you and telling you that he does not accept you. From an acceptance standpoint, you may have an appreciation for him turning you over so it doesn't bother you anymore. But continuing into verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips. And then into verse 30, it's slanderers. Now I'm going to look at envy for just a moment, found in verse 29. When it comes to envy, this is an indirect experience when it comes to acceptance. Because when you envy someone else, the real depth of that sin has to do with the fact that you want to be like them, not necessarily because of what they have or because of who they are, although there is a very powerful component associated with that. I don't want to diminish that. I just want to say not necessarily, because in the context of acceptance, the value of envying someone else is found in the sense that others may envy you. If you are envying them, then you may assume that if you are like them or if you are that individual, then others will envy you as you are envying them. And so on an acceptance level, when it comes to the sin of envy, it tends to be expressed in a very indirect way, that there is an indirect pull from an acceptance point of view. When it comes to deceit, also described in verse 29, that the sin of deceit, being deceitful, can be expressed in an individual's life. Why would someone be deceitful? I mean, what would really be the value of being deceitful? Well, in some cases, I can understand the value, for example, when people are committing fraud or they are about to engage in some form of theft, then being deceitful can certainly be to their advantage, perhaps, because they can pretend to be somebody that they're not or they can give advice or they can give information that is deceitful. That happens a lot, but I don't think that's really what he's referring to. It could be, and that would work just fine. But in this case, in the context of acceptance, what I believe he is referring to is the notion that somebody is telling a lie or they are exaggerating to the point where they are being dishonest. And the way that this can be accomplished is by conveying information, by telling somebody something 
and that individual may do an analysis in their own mind, and as a result of their analysis, they will come to conclusions that are not true. This is the power of deceit, that if I want to be deceitful and yet not openly honest, then I can say things or I can suggest things that are not the conclusion that I want you to come to, but will lead you to the conclusion that I want you to come to. And that conclusion would be wrong, but because you came to it, I'm not necessarily responsible. I was just being deceitful. That's one way that deceit is manifested. There are, of course, many ways that it is expressed. But in this context, it is done for the purpose of gaining acceptance from someone else. It is done in a way that you are not really lying. You're not necessarily lying. You're just leading someone astray to make conclusions that you would desire. And this is a form of deceit that many people practice, that many people engage in by the giving of information or by the withholding of information, depending on the context, so that other people will like them. Because the conclusions may be in their interest or they may be sensational or something like that. This is a form of deception that people exercise and the reason why they exercise this type of deception is because they want to be accepted by other people. Now, why would they need to do that? Because if the truth was revealed, if the truth was expressed, then they would not be as impressive as they would otherwise in the event that they can lead someone deceitfully to conclusions that are perhaps a little bit more exciting than just telling them the truth about something. This is a way that people are deceitful. And I want you to understand that the root of it The root of it has to do with the need for acceptance, the deep-rooted need for acceptance. Now, remember that in context, this has to do with people who are denying the existence of God, right? They are denying the existence of God. Well, if they deny the existence of God, then who's going to meet the need that they have for acceptance? Where did this need come from? This need was given to them by God when he created them. We have all been created with this need for acceptance. But if we're not going to acknowledge the God who created us, and we're not going to acknowledge that he is the only one who can truly meet that need that we have, then we have no alternative but to go out into the world and engage with other people and be deceitful if necessary in order to feel as though perhaps someone accepts us. And even though we know that it was done out of deceit, even though we know It's based on a lie. It doesn't matter because we feel as though we're getting some acceptance of some kind whatsoever. And that is the deceptive power of sin and the power of acceptance and how important it is as part of who we are as people. The same thing with envy. The reason for that is because we have an emptiness within us. And we would like to be like someone else so that others can envy us as we envy those individuals. At the end of verse 29, he says gossip. And at the beginning of verse 30, it's slanderers. Now, those who engage in gossip, as I expressed in the previous program, are those who are telling other people about other people, things in other people's lives that are true. And slander is the telling of things about other people that are not true. And what I was emphasizing in the previous program was that it doesn't matter if you're talking about people in the context of what's true in their life 
or what's not true in their life. The fact of the matter is that you're talking about individuals. Now, of course, talking about individuals in and of itself is not evil. But in the context of both gossip and slander, there is an evil that is expressed. And that is because people are gossiping about others or they are slandering others so that they themselves can look better. They're talking about sins that other people commit so that they can say, but I don't, I don't struggle with those sins. And so I'm, of course, better than those individuals. And who better to pick on than someone who is well respected by other people, whether it is a movie star or a politician, perhaps someone who has a high position in government or in corporations or even someone who's a pastor? Wouldn't you love to gossip about a pastor? When they commit sin, it's a wonderful opportunity to make yourself feel really good because you can talk about this pastor who's engaged in this sin that you obviously would never commit yourself, and so it makes you look better than they do. And so if this pastor looks really good to a lot of people, then those people should look at you in even a greater light. They should see you as a better individual. This is why people engage in gossip. Slander is the same thing, where people will make things up. They'll tell lies about other people so that they can feel good about themselves because they believe that others accept them. Now, there's a secretive issue that can be incorporated within this as well, that if you know something bad about an individual, whether it be true or not true, well, then you have some special information. You have some special insights. You have some intel. And you can share this with your closest friends, of course. And people usually start out that way. They say, hey, listen, I've got some secret information, and I'm just going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Why would somebody find that attractive? Because you have special information. And if you have special information, then you are special, and other people will look at you as special, and they will feel special because you shared it especially with them. And they will think that you are special because you shared something special with them. You see, we have this mutual codependent problem between individuals who are struggling with deep-rooted needs for acceptance. And it gets manifested in things like gossip and slander, which are sin. These are sins. Now, when you understand that the root causes have to do with our need for acceptance then you might find it easier to have mercy towards those who are engaging in gossip and slander, but you may find it very difficult if you're the object of that gossip or slander. You might find it a little bit more complicated to cope with or to deal with issues when it comes to things like that that are addressed to you personally. So how about the end of verse 30 where he says, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. That's a good one. This is a wonderful opportunity for people to understand the power of acceptance. Now, why is it that parents allow their children to be disobedient? Well, there are, of course, many reasons as to why parents allow their children to be disobedient. And because of that, sometimes they encourage them or they teach them to be disobedient. Why is it that parents do that? I can tell you that one of the primary reasons One of the most common reasons as to why parents allow their children to be disobedient is because they want their children to like them. That's the number one reason that I personally have discovered concerning relationships between parents and children, especially when it comes to circumstances when there are children who are very disobedient to their parents. 
The parents have such a powerful need to be accepted. Their need to be accepted is so powerful that they are willing to allow their children to sin. They would rather let their children sin than stop their children from sinning and then not accept their parents as much. In other words, the need for acceptance is so powerful that many parents believe, many parents feel that their need for acceptance is greater than their need to keep their children from being disobedient, that their children's disobedience is not as important as the parents' need for acceptance. You need to understand this if you're going to understand the depth of what is being communicated here at the end of Romans chapter 1. Because at the end of Romans chapter 1, when you get to verse 32, he says that they approve of those who practice the same. People approve. They give their acceptance to others who are engaging in sin. They do that not only because they personally want to be accepted, but because they know that if they accept those individuals who are sinning, then those individuals will also accept them because they can feel safe, they can feel secure, they can feel as though they are never going to be condemned for the sins that they commit with this individual. And so you have a new codependent relationship between an individual who struggles with the sin in their life because of their need for acceptance and others who also struggle with the sins in their life because of their needs for acceptance. And the codependent relationship between the two leads them to a point, leads both of them to a point where they are encouraging the sin to continue to take place and flourish even more. Now, there's another powerful issue concerning acceptance and sin, the need for acceptance and its expression in sin. And that is that people will then be led to a point where they will have a desire, they will have a desire for more sin in their lives. That will be expressed and compounded as they learn that they can be accepted for the current sin in their lives. And so in this way, it stirs up even more sin in people's lives. Now, the need for acceptance within individuals is, of course, very powerful. But there's another way that this is expressed in an individual's life that people sometimes have a hard time identifying. And that's what I would like to talk about for the rest of this program. And that is that when people sin, then they can find ways of being accepted, either by others who are engaged in the same sin or through an indirect way, as I have expressed in this program so far. But there's something else, and that is that people know that if they fail at things, that if they do not succeed that much in life, then they will be accepted by more people than if they are successful. I know this might sound a little odd, especially when you compare it with the sin of envy that I described earlier, but there's another expression of this, and this is found when you look at the greater numbers of people that are around you. If you take a look at the people who are in your area, in your community, in your city, in your state, in your country, you'll notice that there's an average standard of some kind. And however you define that, you know that there is an average standard of individuals. Now, when you look at these individuals who meet this average standard, 
you're going to find some things that are in common. And one of the things that you will find in common with these average individuals is that they're not very successful, that they have experienced a lot of failure, that in many cases they have tried to do things and they have not succeeded. But because there are a lot of them, they don't really think of that as being a negative thing because there are so many people who do that, because there are great numbers of people who struggle with issues of life and who are not successful, then it's not such a big deal. And I don't want to make it into a big deal. All I want to say is, is that because there are a large number of people who don't experience a lot of success in their lives... If you want to be accepted by these individuals, in many cases you have to be like them. And to be like them means that you also will have experienced a lot of failure. You will have also attempted to do several things that did not work out very well. You will have attempted to try to get ahead and yet you have failed. You will have attempted to try to learn things and yet you do not know things. You need to become more average if you're going to be accepted by a greater number of people who are available, who are in general average individuals. In order to be embraced and accepted by these individuals, in many cases, you have to experience failure. And so if this is the case, then people will have, and I know this might sound a little bit odd, so give me a chance to explain this, people will have a secret desire to fail. People will have a secret desire to fail in life or have some failures in life so that they can be accepted by other individuals. And I know this might sound a little bit odd, and so I'm going to ask you to consider looking into this. Just take this as something to look into and examine your life or other people's lives and see how they interact with other people around them. See how they act. See how they behave. See how they make decisions in their life or how they pursue certain goals or how they obtain certain goals that they want to pursue. This is a very unique issue that I've been observing for several years, that people have a secret desire to fail so that they can be accepted by a greater number of people. And for this reason, people will feel very comfortable with pursuing certain sins or avoiding righteousness or pursuing certain things in life that will lead to failure or engaging in sin that they know is definitely sin. That deep down inside, this has been a motive that I personally have identified in some people's lives, and so I'd like to encourage you to consider pursuing that and examine yourself and other people to see if perhaps on occasion this may be a subtle factor involved in people's lives. And so I wanted to mention that in the context of verse 32, that people are looking to give approval to other people who are engaged in the same sin, who are engaged in the same activities that result in failure or destruction or encourage a rejection of God, things like that, that people want to approve of others and they want others to approve of them, which will lead to a secret desire to fail, which is an encouragement to sin, and it will also lead to several codependent experiences and relationships that amplify, magnify the sins that are committed and perpetuated by people as they relate to each other. Now again, let's review the important issues here, and that is that you can consider that there are people who envy others who are successful, but you can also consider that there are people who have a desire to fail and not be like those who are successful. 
you can look at those two different circumstances and say that you have one group of people who might pass judgment against another group of people. That you have one group of people who may want to become successful, who may want to be like someone else who is successful, and they may condemn those who are not wanting to do so, who are wanting to fail. And also those who are wanting to fail may condemn those who are wanting to be successful. And you may have both groups pitted against each other. But the fact of the matter is, is that both situations, both groups of people, both attitudes are motivated by the same desire to be accepted, that individuals share the same need, the same desire for acceptance, and that these are nothing more than manifestations that people express in their lives, and different people express their need for acceptance in different ways. Within the religious world, it's the same thing. When a person is associated with a congregation of religious people who may perhaps be actively involved in condemning others who are struggling with sin, these individuals also may condemn others who are struggling with sins in order to be accepted by the religious people who apparently are not. People have a need for acceptance and they search for approval. They search for acceptance in different ways. And some of these ways may certainly be opposite of the methodologies or the manifestations that are found within other people, but the same root issue exists. And so it's very easy to be distracted by the manifestations in individuals because you may not struggle with those issues or you may not be able to relate to those issues in any way whatsoever. And the competing manifestations may be the total opposite of one another. But that doesn't mean that the root issues are any different. And that's what I want to explain is that it is the root causes. It is the root issues that we all share in common. We all struggle with in common. And the solution is the same. The solution will always be the same, and that is to have a personal relationship with your Creator. The gospel is still the same to everyone. The message of acceptance and forgiveness is for everyone. Our God is for everyone. No one is excluded. Everyone has a need for Him because He created us in such a way that only He can meet the deepest needs in our hearts, regardless of the manifestations that people express, he will always be the one, the only solution to the struggles that we have in life. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.